The Badge to the Bone podcast contains adult language, mature themes, psychological nudity. Viewer discretion is advised. The opinions expressed here are ours and ours alone. Buckle up. All right, welcome back to Badge of the Bone Podcast. I'm Denny. I'm Al. And here we are, Al, another episode. Yep, let's strap in and get on with it. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to. All right. Al, hello again. Good to be here. Season three, we're continuing to roll along. Yeah, yeah. No hiccups so far, knock on wood. See, now you just messed it up. You just messed it up. You don't say it. Just like you don't say it's a quiet night tonight. Well, you just said that. Well, (laughs) but I'm saying it to tell you not to say it. I'm not saying it to say it. There is a difference, but you don't say that. So now you just jinxed me. Well, I I jinxed us both. (sighs) Man, nice job. (laughs) Way to start the show. Way to start the show. I'm going to take another sip of my beverage and shut up. You're lucky I love you. (laughs) So we have a guest tonight. We do. And and I know this was something that um, somebody who had uh, contacted us. Yeah, got an email. And I I know you you did a lot of communications. So we have uh, retired chief. Terry Nichols from Seguin, Texas. He was the retired chief of Seguin, Texas Police Department. And we will get you know some background on, on, on his career as well. But right now, he's the director of business development and uh, I believe it's grant management at a company called Rap Solutions. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as well and what, what they do. But, um, you know, without dragging it on, we got Chief Terry Nichols right here with us and, 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 Chief, I know you want to be called Terry, so we're gonna we're gonna switch over to Terry. But welcome to Badge of the Bone podcast. How you doing? I'm great, gentlemen. Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me, and I look forward to having a great conversation with you. And thank you for calling me Terry. My mom named me Terry. <laughs> she didn't name me Chief. And I always I always tell people, please, you know, I appreciate the title, uh, but uh, again, my name is Terry. Outstanding. So, uh, so you were the and I, you know, when we. We did. Uh, I did cheat a little bit, and ask you the pronunciation before, but it is Seguin, Texas, correct? Yes, sir. Most recently, I, I retired in 2022 uh, as chief in Seguin. I, I spent my last three years in law enforcement. After 33 years, uh, I spent my last three in in Seguin, wonderful community in Central Texas uh, on Interstate 10, right outside of San Antonio. Very blowing up community. It's just exploding with growth. And uh, I moved down to the Texas coast now with every intention of fishing every day. All right. That hasn't worked out so well. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it happens. Yeah, um, this is uh, true. Work, work calls and, and, and they're actually callings happen. And we'll talk more about that. I think as we go through, but, uh, I appreciate your, your service. Uh, you know, I, I did a little research on you guys as well. Some cheating. Thank you. Thank <laughs> and, you. We uh, appreciate it. I, I appreciate all you've done, uh, as well. I think we have very parallel careers that we'll be able to have a great discussion. No, that's awesome. So, um, so you said you had 33 years. Yeah, total. You know, I, I grew up in Central Texas. My whole life's been in Texas. And I grew up and uh, I moved down to a town called San Marcos, Texas. And it's just south of Austin. It's, it's a college town. 
Uh, okay. Yeah. South, Southwest Texas State University. Now it's Texas State University. Yeah. Yeah. And, I was uh, just recently in Austin. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I went down there to go get a criminal justice degree because I wanted to be I wanted to be a street cop. You know. And uh, I got on with San Marcos Police Department as a 22 year old kid, and they gave me a gun and a badge. And nothing should scare anybody more than that. Thinking a 22 year old uh, a gun and a badge. We, we might have been those kids. <laughs> That's what I said. I think this is going to be a very parallel conversation here. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you blink and 21 years went by, you know, uh, married, raised a couple of kids, um, started a really unique program. We'll talk about part of my life, the alert program, uh, helped kick it off and, and get it going and work there for a number of years and decide I won't get back in law enforcement. So in 2016, uh, I left the alert program. And went and became my first chief's job in Brownwood, Texas, which is as far away from Central Texas as you can get. It's far west Texas, small oh, wow. community, great conservative, wonderful community. And spent three years out there as chief. And the opportunity presented itself in Seguin. My kids were back in that general area. My in-laws were in that general area. Everything was right. So uh, we transitioned back over to Seguin. Lived through COVID and all the craziness, and finally, just you know, in 2022, my wife and I looked at each other and said, "You know what? I think it's enough." And sure. uh, we 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 punched. And a uh, unique conversation I had with one of my reporters in town, with a great relationship with the relation with the uh, our local media. And he asked me because it was a shock to everybody when I announced I was retiring. Everybody was just like floored because everything was going great. He said, "Are you okay?" And this kind of goes back to your, to the podcast that you have. Says, "Are you okay?" I said, "I am. I'm golden." I don't want to not be okay. And, uh, yeah. uh, and, and he, he looked at me like, I get it. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. So, you know, we transitioned and I uh, had no intention to go back to work. We'll get into bold rap in a second. Um, and then I got a, you know, I got a phone call from a friend of mine and asked me to jump on board bold rap. And it's something I'd seen. We can talk to in a minute and that's something I can get behind. And uh, now I'm, I work full time for, for rap technologies. Okay. And talking about, uh, this technology nice well i mean that's i think that's big you kind of had some foresight that you know you've done your time you and it was time to to transition out um man i think that's big to say i'm okay right now i don't want to get to where i'm not okay yeah and and i saw my my coping mechanisms uh much like many of our, our our ourselves all of us uh were probably not the best and still not the best Hey, there's nothing but, wrong with motorcycles and whiskey. Maybe not together <laughs> at the same time. But. You know, I, I don't ride the motorcycles, but I do enjoy the, the you know, the bourbon. And, uh, you know, but it just was time. It, it, it just, I think everybody comes to that point. And I think you, you've found that yeah. yourself. When you yes. know it's time, it's time. Yeah. I'm sitting here nodding yeah. vigorously. Yeah. I, I think uh, there's a lot of wisdom in that, you know, because I think a lot of people get where they feel like it's time. And think it's time, but fight that and resist it, and are hanging on because it, it is not easy to leave the career. It's just not. It's scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know what to be financially, uh, or family, or acceptance into a different environment. Yeah, you know, this is all I've ever known is yep. carrying a gun and a badge. Yeah, uh, my entire adult life. You know, um, and again, like you, that's been my persona it's it's yes. it's your identity i mean you get people that work say a normal dunder mifflin office job and you know that's not their identity but 
whether it's you know cops, firefighters, priests, doctors. I mean, that that's you are your job. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. And and I moved, so we moved about two and a half hours away from Seguin. I'm down on the Texas coast now, uh, right on an island, and nobody knows me here. Nobody knows me. They some people do, but they don't know me as chief. They have no idea what my background is, mm-hmm. um, which is really kind of cool. Yeah, you know, it, it is. <laughs> Just because, you know, you know, when you're a chief of an organization or, you, you know, you've been a police officer in a, in a community for a long time, everybody knows who you are, you know, good or bad. Uh, you know, they either love you or you've arrested them or you arrested the family member or whatever's happened to happen. Here, I can walk down the street and I'm just another person. And I kind of dig that. There's some value in that. There's Absolutely. Some so, so I would guess, you know, because I was going to ask you, but it seems to me that your transition out of law enforcement has been very good. That- I, I like to think it has been. I'm, I'm traveling a lot, uh, which I didn't think that would happen quite as much as I wanted to because I've, I've done a lot of teaching over my, career, over my life and career, um, transitioned, you know, uh, the alert program and many others, and I do a lot of teaching. So I traveled with that. But the business now with RAP Technologies has me going out and talking about that technology and trying to save lives and save careers in law enforcement. So I'm kind of still dabbling, still in law enforcement, but just sure, not on right. the enforcement side, law enforcement side, leadership side. Yeah, you know, I found that with a lot of folks that retire, they still find their way into something that still touches that profession, that public safety, which which is a good thing. I, I think it's it's great because you have that experience and perspective. But I do find it very common. I think that helps. I mean, I think for me, that's helped me transition that I'm still doing something where uh, I'm in touching that, that public safety. So, Oh, we got this. Well, that right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. There so that's a, that's a, that's a lot right there. You're going out trying to give back now. It's just a different way of giving back and serving sure. a different way of serving is what, you know, the, the, the podcast and the things I've listened to that you guys have done uh, is wonderful because it's speaking to things that we haven't spoken on before. Uh, openly and it is. Uh, now is the time if ever now is the time that we need to have these, these conversations courageous conversations so i want you know i want i want to jump into your the bowl here in in a few and get, kind of pick your brain on that but um bef- before that you know because we talk a lot about mental wellness of course we talk a lot about leadership and you know, challenges in in the law enforcement community so you know from your perspective having 33 years served that time and then served in a position, a leadership position as chief of an agency. And now having retired, you're still, you know, kind of in touch with the law enforcement community, but how do you view what the status of the profession is now? What are you viewing as, as challenges that, that are, they're facing? Man, tougher than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you think it couldn't get any worse after, during COVID, and now it's just worse. You throw in, you know, everything with the George Floyd, the protest, and it just cascades. Uh, the prosecution now, Austin, I, you know, I said I worked around Austin. You know, they indicted 19 officers, you know, yeah. uh, because uh. of riots. And, and that kind of chaos going on, it's just, and again, I travel around now with BolaRap and, and Rap Technologies doing a demonstration of this technology. And I have an opportunity to talk to some great, great officers. I mean, from the biggest agencies to the smallest of agencies that are looking for different options and, and hearing what's going on in their communities, hearing the struggles they're having. I think it's a tough time in law enforcement. Um, 
you know, would I encourage one of my kids, I have two adult kids, uh, would I encourage one of them to get in law enforcement? Absolutely not. I would. Um, one is one is in uh, a first responder in the EMS side. Ah, there um, you go. And, and one is a cybersecurity, whatever he does. I can't even spell what he does, but cybersecurity stuff, and he's doing very well at it. Um, but the, the state of affairs, I, I do see some glimmer of hope on leadership. Uh, maybe just, maybe I'm blind to it, but I, I know some really, really great leaders out there, law enforcement leaders. And um, I, I know how they run their departments. I, I see them. I watch them. They're my, some of my mentors. Um, and there's just some great things going on out there. At the same time, there are still some absolutely horrible leaders out there, if you call them leaders. Some, right. yeah. some horrible bosses, as it were, yep. um, out there leading organizations, which breaks my heart, which makes me want to jump back in with all four feet, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, because I think I can do it differently, you know, and, and give those troops a, a different angle of what leadership looks like. But my, my time is coming gone. Uh, so I watch my part. One of the, the things we talk about here a lot is this kind of nexus between mental health and the work environment. And a theory that we have because it keeps coming up in all these conversations is that the leadership within law enforcement, the, the office climate, if you will, of law enforcement is driving a lot of our mental health problems in the profession. And I'm curious what you might think about that, especially having been a chief. I think it absolutely can. I mean, we do a lot of, some of the teaching I do is on leadership and it's some of the polling software that we use. You can, you know, what is the, we'll put a poll word up, up on the screen. What is your biggest stressor in your, in your job as a police officer? Everybody thinks it's getting shot or getting run over or something like that. No, administration comes across number one every time. Yeah, yeah, every it's, time. Yep, every it's, time it's administration. And then as leaders, you have to look at yourself and say, why is that? What is, it, what is causing this? Is it me individually? Is it my mid-level leader, leadership, mid-level managers that has caused us? Is it the first-line supervisors? So if you are that focal point, you're that, that focal leader of the organization, chief, as it were. And again, let me, let me set the bar here, what we're talking about. I had an organization of 60 support, a uh, total of 82 per, personnel at NCD. Great organization, great council, great mayor, great city manager. I can't say enough great things about it. I mean, wonderful. But, you know, at the end of the day, it starts with the chief and starting about the culture of an organization. Some simple things that, that I did, not everybody does, but it wears me out when I see it. If I expected it's, it, you know, the grant requires, everybody wears body armor, right? If you get a body armor grant, everybody has to wear body armor. Yep. Except the chief. <laughs> that's not codified and right anywhere, but that seems to be the way the world. And it wears me out. I, I was a uniform chief about half the time. The rest of the time, the shirt tie, that kind of stuff. But if I had a uniform on, I had body armor. Mm-hmm. I had my tourniquet on. I had mm-hmm. everything that the officer on the street carries, I carry. And when I see other leaders, other you know, chiefs of other organizations, whether it be a ten, you know, a five thousand man department or a five man department, five person department, and you're standing there not wearing body armor, that wears me out. If you don't have a tourniquet on your belt, that wears me out because you're setting such a poor example for your troops. You're saying it's okay for you know me to do this, but not you. I know the worst thing that's going to happen to me is get a paper cut. I might get carpal tunnel syndrome from typing too much. <laughs> but I expect the men and women to wear body armor. I got I'm going to wear body armor. Mm-hmm. 
No, I think that's uh, that. Uh, I could definitely appreciate that, and I, I believe that's noticed. I, think I so. mean, all officers. Well, I mean, they're they're trained. They spend a career being observant and trained observers. So that is noticed when you have your leader is decked out the way you are decked out. It's the things that you're mandated to wear, they're wearing. But it's even more noticed when they're not wearing that gear. I honestly tried to lead by example in everything I did. You know, I'm not 100%. I, I'm not some well, saint, sure. obviously. Um, but I generally care about my people. I generally did. Um, and that takes a toll. That's part of that whole thing about checking out, you know. Right. It, it, it's a load to care about. Again, I had 82 total employees. I care about every one of them, sworn or non-sworn. And to carry their burdens with you all the time takes a toll on a leader that believes like that, has that type of mentality. Um, you know, checking on them, sending them birthday messages. I mean, all the things that come with good, solid leadership takes a toll on somebody. If you're that type of person that you don't care, you know, you just come and you're collecting a paycheck and, and you're not that, that solid leader, uh, yeah, you can survive just fine. You know, just carry on. See somebody's boots not shine, you know, chew them up, chew them down for not having the boot shined, and or tell their tell their sergeant to ride them up for not having the boot shined, and you know, mm -hmm. and, and carry on. I think nothing about it. That would never sit with me. It just wasn't my personality. You know, my dad was a lot like that. You know, he was he was sheriff for a long time, and the, the neighboring kind of that I live in now. Um, but he was he was like that. Very you know, people were real important to him. And the individual was always important to him. And, and I could tell it. And he carried that burden. And I remember when he retired, um, me, you know, and some of his close friends, we noticed, you know, because he carried that stress and burden, he retired. And a few days later, it looked like he was 10 years younger. I mean, he was, it, you know, looked like everything was off of his shoulders. Um, but that's just you know, the, the type of uh, individual he was. So you know, you're right. For a leader that, that truly takes that to heart, that is a lot to carry. But you accept it, you know, you sure. have to go into accepting that. Um, one of my mentors, a great man, and he, he told me, you know, when he became chief, I said, you know, why did you, why did you do this? He became chief long before I did. Why did you do this? He said, I saw all the other um, not so qualified people, I'll put it that way, becoming <laughs> chiefs. And so he's like, by God, if they can do this, I can certainly do this. And I can do it a hundred times better. And um, he said, that's why I did it. And, you know, looking back, I kind of think that may be part of what drove me as well. Because I saw the type of people that were out there and going like, man, that's not the way I, if I was running the show, that's not the way I'd be doing it. You know, um, and maybe that's part of the psyche in me. If You know, if I, talk, I had to talk to a psychologist, they may sit down and do a deep dive in me and figure out maybe that's part of what drove me to do it as well. I don't know. Sure. No, being at that level, it goes without saying that you're going to have to make decisions that people aren't going to like. I mean, that the, the troops are not going to like, and that's, you know, that is what it is. And I think how that is handled is, is so critical. And many times I'm not sure that it always is handled the way, the way it could be. And then you have this, this other aspect that, that we talk about here quite a bit um, is that servant leader, you know, are you a servant leader? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure that we have a lot of servant leaders anymore. 
um, particularly, I think it's particularly acute in large municipalities. Um, but I, I don't disagree with you. You know, you asked the question early on about the state, the current state. You know, I have faith because maybe I surround, I, I try to surround myself with with good leaders. You know, I, I don't, I'm not attracted to people that I see how they run an organization and it's they're they're not good servant leaders. I'm not attracted to them, so I'm not going to hang around them. They're not part of my circle. I I try to surround myself with people like me. Uh, people I try to model my behavior after people I respect, and you know I see how they do great servant leadership, uh, do things for the right reasons. They treat people the right way. They actually care. It's an amazing concept. Uh, they care about people. Yeah, not, you think about it; it's really not that hard. <laughs> it's not. You know, you're right. I had to make tough decisions. Every chief does. Every supervisor does. That people aren't going to like. I tell you right now that there's a handful you called that probably, you know have not good things to say about me, you know, unfortunately. But I can tell you it wasn't because I didn't care about them. It was because I had to do what I had to do. Um, it takes courage to have co courageous conversations with people about many things, many, many different things. But it takes courage to, to tell somebody, this is not the business for you. It also yes. takes that same amount of courage to tell people, this person deserves another chance. You know, I'm willing to put my my name behind this behind this person and give them another chance. Yeah, they screwed up. Uh, it's not one of those catastrophic ones where it's a Brady issue or something like that. But it's just a judgment call on an administrator's part that I'll put my name behind them. You know, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, those are tough areas to deal with uh, like I say on, on both ends it's tough to make the decision when you're gonna back somebody and and, and give them that second chance uh, I know it's tough to tell folks that this is not a profession for you and many people try to avoid that and I, I mean I've seen in my time folks that probably are not in the right place but no one has really stepped in and said this you need to reevaluate where you are and administrators, you have to look at the greater good of the department, the community as a whole, the city, uh, county, or, or whatever it is, the state, and, and say, and call it what it is, and, and help them find a different way. You know, you don't have to burn them, you don't have to burn the bridge, but just help them understand this is not going to work, at least not here. It may work somewhere else just fine, but right now, on its current circumstances, whatever that may be, mm -hmm. this isn't going to work here. Um, you know, I, I, I tried my best to salvage people's careers. They made mistakes, and uh, they were not going to work for us anymore. But, um, you know, all y'all know about the database everybody is tracking now and mm -hmm. about uh, misdeeds and things like that. Uh, I tried my best to good people and, and keep them employable because there's that scarlet letter you can get in this business. Oh, yes. And uh, I, I, you know, not if it was legit and you got to do what you got to do. But sure. there's some that's such a gray area. Um, I tried my best because, again, I generally cared about these people. They may have made a really bad mistake because we all do. We all have, I have in life, you have in life. We've all made mistakes. If there's no way I could help salvage it, I certainly tried my best. Um, and, and, I, and I can sleep good at night saying, knowing I tried. Um, and many of them are man, doing great stuff. Uh, they do great, great things. It just didn't work out in our organizations. Well, I think you know, me and Al agree on 
that that kind of topic right there, that there is a difference between mistakes of the mind and mistakes of the heart. Mm-hmm. So I think some folks don't look at them as different, um, but. And, and there's a lot that is recoverable if it's not an integrity issue. If you're not lying, sure, sure. lying, sure. cheating, or stealing, right? there's a lot you can bounce back from. Sure. Yeah. The only scarlet letter ones, it's something you can't do. I, I mean, you're done. I just, I, yeah. I can't fix that. It's just unfortunate. It ha- whatever happened, happened. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I can't say which agency it was, but I can tell you, you know, we had, we had an officer go through, uh, talk about mental health, and went through a situational stress. Um, it was not in a good place. And uh, our agency had to actually do emergency detention on I mean, our oh, own man. agency had to do emergency detention on and get them help. Of course, there, you know, if I want to work with this person again, mm, not so, quite so sure. And the full expectation was I was going to fire this person. And I absolutely did not. We got them help. We paid for the help. Uh, we took care of business. And by all accounts, an outstanding officer today and a, a, a rising star in the organization. And uh, that's the way it should be. You know, everybody fully. And now there was a lot of work to be done to, you know, to fix the relationships and everything else. Because how do you go share a shift with the people that just did a voluntary commitment on you? Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, there's obviously things to work through there. Um, but they did. And he was, he was, you know, got through the situational stress he was going through and, um, and, and overcame that hurdle. And now is an incredibly well-respected member of that organization. And it's on the other side of it. Uh, so, you know, we got to take care of our own uh, as best we can. Well, that's pretty remarkable because, you know, Alan and I, we talk a lot about that. That is such a fear if you're in law enforcement is having that um if you're going to have that committal or you're going to go and and seek that treatment that they're you're going to lose your badge and gun you're going to lose it forever you're going and you're out you're out of the game you're done well unfortunately what you just said is the exception as as opposed to the rule and i, 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 and I know it is i know and it was. we talk to a lot of people and, and and you know denny and i are very candid in so much as you know we've been those people it, to varying degrees at varying times um, where, you know, you just, you, you didn't go to your admin and, and say, you know, I, I need some help. I, I, whatever that is, you didn't say it. And, and when we bring people on the show to talk about their experiences, that's a recurring theme, you know, either they felt that they couldn't or they did and it really came back to bite him in the ass. And, and I think it still plays out. You know it plays out day in and day out in our business. It does. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm that albatross out there. Uh, just that one situation, it just worked out that it worked out that way. Now, sure. The easy out would have been wash your hands and be done it. But yeah. And that's the usual. This is a, this is a human being. Okay. A human being goes through life stressors. I've gone through life stressors. You've gone through life stressors. It may have nothing to do with the job. It could be financial. You just called an employee a human being? (laughs) Yes, we are. I know. I'm I'm sorry. My cynicism kicked in for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but that's good to hear, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make myself out to be a saint. I'm not. I had great leaders. Luckily, I had great leaders before me. 
you know, that taught me the way. I sur- I, like I told you earlier, I tried to surround myself with people that were incredible leaders, you know, uh, served with humility, had courage, you know, a sense of duty, all these leadership characteristics um, that, that are out there. And that's what I tried to model. Um, did I get it right 100% of the time? Absolutely not. Did I at least try? You know, you brought up the, you know, going and reporting to your administration. And we always had every city we ever worked for has the employee assistance program, right? Mm-hmm. The EAP. Send them to the EAP. <laughs> yeah. And some are better than others. Well, and my, my argument to our administration, and man, hats off to Seguin. Uh, if our chief and myself uh, were like, you know, the EAP, does, that's great for family counseling. Your kid's not doing well. You get a bad relationship. They can probably handle that kind of stuff. But the stuff our men and women are dealing with, you know, what they're seeing on the street, what they live through, their life stressors they're dealing with, that EAP person is not the person they need to talk to. They need a specialist. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and we actually had a, a, a very well-renowned uh, counselor on retainer for the city for police and fire. Oh, wow. And, and we paid the bill. We, we paid oh, the wow. bill. You go. I, and they just send me just send me an invoice, and I'd sign off on it that they went. I knew they went because I got the invoice. Like right. What they talked about, and not unless it's a life safety issue, something like that, that's a whole separate ballgame. Sure. Um, but if it's no, they need to go get something off their chest and and you know seek help. We encouraged it. I need you healthy. I need you at work. I don't need you burdened down with whatever's going on at home, at work, with your wife, with finances, with whatever it is. You know the the, the three dead bodies you saw in a, in a, in a, in a burned up car. Get the help, and we're going to pay for that because I need you healthy. I need you whole. Man, yeah, that's pretty rare too. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing again, more that's of that. Very good to hear. I'm seeing more of it. Honestly, I to, sorry to interrupt you. I, I get it in Texas, in, in Central Texas, within my sphere of the folks I was involved with, the Texas Police Chiefs Association, and people like that. That is very key. Uh, that we're trying to really watch out for the mental health of our men and women who are out there on the front lines. And the other thing I did too is try to set the stage with my officers. Like if you, it seems like fatality actions are, are the worst, you know, everyone wants to go right. see the, go see the dead body. And I finally got the point, like telling my first time supervisors, nope, if they don't belong on the scene, they don't come to the scene. You kick them out of there. Now, if there's a learning opportunity here for an FTO or something like that, that they've never seen a dead body or something like that, Okay, they need to be part of the investigation, whatever. But if you have those looky loos coming just to come see a dead body, out, get them out of there. That to me, that's just another tick mark in our brain. That twenty years down the road, you're going to remember that they all add up. They add, they add. Mm-hmm. There's no sense that we allow us administrators, first line supervisors, middle level managers, we allow those tick marks to keep checking in, checking in, checking in. Uh, if we can prevent them, let's prevent them. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned when I was in investigations, we had I was a sergeant in there for a while, and you know every now and then you have, you know, some stuff you have to go out to, some some you don't, um, or you know my counterpart, the sorry, oh, the sergeant would be out there. And this is and he's calling, going, hey, this is what I got. I'm going to be here a while. Just let you know, I'm I'm tied up here, and he's like, if you want to slide on down, you know, catch up. And I'm like, and I I got to the point where I'm like, no, you know, I don't need another photograph in the photo album. I just I just don't unless I need to be there. Um, unless you need me there specifically, I don't need another photograph to, to an album I wish I didn't have. So good for you. 
and unfortunately we we don't do that as a business so it's still hey come see this hey come over here you know it is and um we've got to do a better job of policing our own uh and not making those sold albums as, as yep. big as they are you know yours oh, and ours or maybe this thick and you know let's make the the, the people next the next 20 years there's maybe a little bit smaller yep yeah that would be good <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think the other issue, too, that has become a big leadership issue is, you know, when something really big does blow up, and I'll actually use an example from your state. Oh, I know where you go. Um, I, I have friends that work in, in Texas, good buddy up in Austin with their PD, um, but I have a number of friends that work Border Patrol, um, and uh, one of them was working uh, horseback down in Laredo sector. And of course we had the, the folks coming across the border and you had that one guy on horseback and, you know, the president of the United States of America is saying that this border patrol officer is horse whipping this, this, you know, illegal coming across the border, I remember that. which he didn't. Ah. Did not I, I do remember, I, remember, at all. I remember this now. Yeah, I remember. This. And th- this was pre IA or DOJ, whatever you know method they have. Um, no evidence had been gone through. This would, this was the line of thought, line of reasoning, if you will, uh, seemingly supported by the chief of border patrol. Hmm. And in those kind of situations. Enormous amounts uh, of stress and really hurting the troops and hurting the credibility of leadership. It, it it does, and getting out and trying to get you know get in front of the community issues. So you have a shooting, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and it's it's not it's not good. You know, that, the saying is you know bad news does not age well. No, uh, right. so get, get out in front of it, but that doesn't mean you fire somebody tomorrow. You know, you, you know it's going. You know it's a bad shoot. You know it's not going to go come out. But you don't turn around and go out the next day and fire them. There's called due process. Or you don't even yeah. just get out there and declare them guilty before. Well, the ex- well exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. Do any of that kind of stuff. You let the investigation run its course. But I've watched countless of these situations, especially post George Floyd, mm-hmm. where there's something happened, and they immediately jumped out and fired the officers like the next day. Two days later, the, the officers are fired. I'm like, mm, they're going to get their jobs back. I tell you right now, they're going to get their job back mm-hmm. because yeah. due process was not followed. Well, you know? and, and again, so, you you talked about Austin. You had uh, Art Acevedo up there in Austin, carpet bombing that police department. He almost just came back and actually went oh, through. Geez. I don't know if you saw that. No, um, I didn't. Almost came back and did what? So he he's been the interim in Aurora, uh, oh. and I know Art. I don't know him well, but I do know Art. Um, he was the interim in Aurora. And last week they announced he was coming to Austin to be the deputy city manager over the police department. And he resigned from Aurora. And then he got a lot of political pushback on that. And the last announcement I saw on on social media was that he has now withdrawn his uh, acceptance of that job. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's next for Art. Uh, But it sounds like he's not in Aurora anymore and he's not coming to Austin. Well, no disrespect to you. (laughs) I hope his next gig is retirement. Yeah, uh, with, with with art, there's no telling. You know, he's 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 gone here, he's gone there, he's he's gone a little bit everywhere. 
Uh, but I was shocked to see that. I thought I thought things were going well in Aurora. I've got a good uh, good friend in, in Aurora. Works with their crisis response team. She's actually the manager of the crisis response team. Incredible uh, lady. Um, and uh, talking more about what she does, not so much about his leadership or anything else. Just right. seemed like things were going fine in Aurora. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I saw this announcement about Austin. I'm like, okay, interesting, mm-hmm. but okay. Uh, but now we're back to square one with Austin. I don't know what's going on with that place. It's a huh. it's something else. It's just a neat town. It is. It's a cool town. It's a little weird. But I mean, I had a good time cool. there. I mean, I had a great time there. Yeah. I mean, I got me a new pair of Tacovas while I was there and everything. Man, I was having a great time. But I mean, it's it's a shame that they're going through those struggles. But I dig Austin. Yeah. Um, it's a. It's actually not so much the police leadership. Uh, from my understanding, it's more the elected district, district yeah. attorney. Yeah. Uh, like you see many other places that. that going to make a name for themselves. They're going to put the fist down and go, what? I'm going after cops. I'm going after yep. dirty cops. I'm going after cops that, you know, use excessive force and blah, blah, blah. You know, a whole litany list of things that they want to go after. So they're taking these very, very, very crazy cases, like the 19 officers they indicted during the riots. You know, mm, it, yeah. somebody took a beanbag to the eye. Okay, not ideal. Is that a civil case? Absolutely all day long it is. Sure. Uh, let that play out as it plays out. But the DA chose to indict 19 people with that one beanbag. Right. Um, yeah. So luckily, it, they've you know they've dropped most of those indictments. I'm understanding. I think and, they and have. I, th- I think you're right that it is driven to a great extent by the civilian elected leadership. Mm-hmm. But if you have somebody who's at the top within the police department that's willing to go, okay, sounds good, and go right along with it, then it, it becomes problematic. It, it, it takes intestinal fortitude to stand mm-hmm. up those kind of situations and, and being willing to, you know, if it crosses your boundary of right and wrong, mm-hmm. you know, that what's going on, you need to be able to walk away, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just say, I, this is not me. This is not what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Say your piece to your boss. And my boss was always a city manager. And I, again, I was so blessed both in Brownwood, uh, my uh, Emily, my city manager in Brownwood, who hired me as a chief, kind of went on a limb and hired this, this guy that never been chief before. Uh, we're dear friends to this day. You know, I would say my piece. If it was something like that, I'd say my piece and then go from there. Never had to because she was mm-hmm. a great leader and we never had those issues. And same as again. Uh, you know, again, blessed. I didn't have to have that conversation, but each of us individually need to, in leadership, need to recognize you need to have what your, your core values are. And if this starts going left to right, those core values, you need to stand up and say no and walk away and not, you know, bow down to it. Because what you're saying, if you bow down to that, what you're saying is that then these aren't my core values. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, if if you do bow down to it, you're saying that my core value is my paycheck and my title. Exactly. That's it. Yes. Or, you know, I, you know, you're just rethinking your core values and, for a paycheck, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. That's just exactly the, right. I want to shift a little left or a little right, you know, uh-huh. to to align myself with right. you know, the, the values of my the, my leaders above me, whether it be a city council, a mayor, city manager, whoever it is. Um, yep. And and I say that, and it doesn't that doesn't mean that every hill is the hill to die on. Well, sure, sure. But, I mean, and I think that's a good phrase. Is is this the hill I want to die on? I think it's something you gotta ask. But if you get to that hill, be willing to die on it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that is a good point. Is not every hill is one to die on. I've I've had plenty of conversations with my bosses saying, you know, 
you know, and agree. Okay, here we go. But they it, they did not go left or right too far of my my core values sure. as, a, as a human being, as a as a as an officer or as a leader. Um, you know, asking me to do something, you know, against my troops that I just couldn't stomach. If that were the case, and again, I never had to say God, uh, but if it was something just against the core values that I believed in, how I ran my police department, I, I would have done what I did and just said, thank you very much for the opportunity to serve and carry on. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go somewhere else. So um, I'd like to uh, kind of transition in. So coming into leaving law enforcement, and, you know, now with the company that you are with now, you know, because, you know, one, another one of the challenges for law enforcement is use of force, use of force and officers being charged with use of force. Um, you officers being timid to use force in some cases, depending on how their area is is viewing it. And it, that's becoming a, a big issue. Um, the type of force, the amount of force, all that is really being highlighted. Sometimes not so good, but I understand you have some technology or your company has some technology that is, is working towards that. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And I appreciate you segueing into this because it is a perfect opportunity. I'll start with my why, why I'm with the company. Before I retired, I went to a demonstration of the technology, the bubble wrap. If you've never seen one, this is what it looks like. And yeah, I've not seen viewer, it. Our yeah. viewers can't see it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the listeners can't see it, but um, it's a, it was at the Texas Department of Public Safety. And I was in regular uniform, my blower pants, and I was literally probably two months from retirement. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an early adopter of technology. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to stand in a line two days for an iPhone. I mean, <laughs> my iPhone is 15 generations old, you know. And I'd <laughs> seen this before, and I was like, eh, you know, not, not really. So I went to this. So I went there with these troopers and all these other people, and they, they go to the PowerPoint show, and I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. All right, all right so who wants to get wrapped? And none of these troopers want to get, nobody want to get wrapped. I'm like, fine, wrap me, do it. I don't care. You know. So next thing I know, they deploy this, this tool at me. And it looks like a TV remote control. It deploys out a seven and a half foot Kevlar cord. It's coming out about 400 feet per second. And it's got these anchors on the end. And it's a piece of cord, Kevlar cord. And when it hits something, it wraps around you. And those, the hooks will grab your clothes and restrain you. It's not, it, it's not an electrical electronic control device. It's not pepper spray or anything like that. It's simply a cord that wraps around you and restrains you. It's loud. It sounds like a, a, a gunshot. Oh, wow. So all of a sudden, I was like, pop. I hear this loud noise. My eyes immediately go down to my legs, and I see it, and I can't go anywhere. I mean, I'm not hurt. It didn't hurt. My sure. legs are restrained, and, I'm like, and they run up and grab my arms like they're going to handcuff me. I'm like, what just happened to me? And before I could blink, you know, they're, they're on me. And I'm going like, man, this could be a game changer. So I immediately, my mind started racing through all my times in my career. And it's designed when someone's, you know, long before somebody starts fighting. This is for low-level resistance. You know, you're lawfully detainable, you know, whether it be for a mental health hold or a criminal offense. And I have the right to handcuff you. I don't want to fight you, you know. I prefer not to use a pain-inducing tool on you, like an electronic control device or something like that. So you have this bowl wrap. And Man, this cord wraps around you, run, puts you in handcuffs. No pain, cut it off. You're going about your business, taking the jail, taking the hospital, taking wherever. So I started thinking through my mind all the times in my career. When could I have used this? A lot, a lot. And then I started thinking about all the use of force reviews because in, in our organization, every use of force review came across my desk. 
you know, right. I saw the body cam footage, I saw the car cam footage, and you know, it's just a checks and balances, making sure we're doing the right things, going with our training, is equipment working, is it not working, all those kinds of things. And I was like, man, this is this is going to be a game changer. I really said this technology potentially has has a chance to be a game changer in our business because it does not rely on pain for compliance. It's simply a restraint tool. So I immediately went back and, and wrote a grant out right before I left, wrote a grant out. They didn't get the grant. Uh, Seguin didn't get the grant. Um, fast forward a couple months, I get a phone call from the company after I retired. You know, would you be interested in coming on board? You know, because uh, you obviously like this stuff. And I did. And now, you know, I've, I've been wrapped hundreds of times. I've, I've probably wrapped hundreds of people in demonstrations and things like that. Introduced many, many agencies to the technology. And we honestly believe, and I no doubt about it, it's going to save lives and it's going to save careers. And I think that's where the important part is on the career part. Because we know when we get into, you know, a low level resistance, you know, you look at FBI data, you know, um, some of it said like half the time, that when use of force, it's not complete, but the people that report use use force to FBI, about half the time somebody ends up with serious bodily injury, uh, usually shooting. But they start out with low level resistance. So I'm trying to compute in my mind how does this work? We started out a situation with low level resistance and we end up with half the time somebody ends up with serious bodily injury. Sure. What's going on here? And it tells me that these low level resistance, somebody had public intoxication, Somebody with a mental health, you know, hold. They need to go to the hospital. They don't want to go. Turns into a fight, right? And we we do scrap with people our whole careers, right? Uh, we use electronic control devices on people, um, and pain anything induces pain, and that tends to piss people off. You know, when you when you start hurting somebody with pepper spray or yep. or shocking them, they tend to get pissed off many times. Um, but now I think, and that's when things start to escalate, and the fight gets bigger. And when we come into a fight, anytime we fight with somebody, one thing we always bring with us is a gun. Mm-hmm. And it takes that one drunk, you know, reaching up trying to grab your gun. Now you're taking a simple PI arrest. And it's almost turning, it could potentially turn into a deadly force situation if they're grabbing your gun. You're tracking with them. So if we have the technology now, we can remotely restrain somebody and kind of overwhelm them sensorily with the noise, the sensation, the rap and get them in custody before they have a chance to make a stupid decision and fight us or anything else, it's a win. They're okay. not getting hurt. We're not having to use higher levels of force. You know, it's a win-win for everybody. So this is something, you know, trying to get a, a picture of, of where I would be deploying it. So this is kind of that preemptive strike. You've got that person. We know we're going to arrest him, whether it's be domestic or whether – He's this individual, he or she has a warrant for, but we know we're going to arrest them. They're not sure whether we're going to arrest them or not, but they've already started getting animated. You know, you're not taking me to jail. You know, fuck this. Screw you. You know, don't even come over here. Don't, you know, you're not taking me nowhere. Y'all need to cut me loose. And they're getting really animated. And so before it goes beyond that, you would deploy the rat. Pow. Absolutely. You're in the rat, and then you go in to detain and handcuff. So this is not something you would use when the fight is on. Like, Absolutely you know, no. if, if you showed up and the fight's on, we are, you know, it's shit and get, but the minute you get there and those happen, or someone that's running or fleeing, you're trying to use the rat to, to hit them on, on a fleeing suspect. You, you can certainly do that. Hit them on the legs, let them trip on their own, let them fall sure. on their own. They can still break their fall with their hands. You know, just let them hit, hit them on the legs. Because this thing will go from 10 to 25 feet, sure. this cord will. And let them fall on their own and run up and deal with them. But yeah, when the fight's on, 
Python. We have other tools on our belt for that. We've gotcha. never had things on our belt that did not induce pain. This is the first time that I know of in history of law enforcement right. of anything. Because I can make handcuffs. You know, I was a PPCT instructor many years ago. Uh, you know, I, I can make those handcuffs certainly hurt. But this is something that doesn't create pain. But yeah, I said, I tell you, I ask, tell, rap is kind of what we say. So I ask you, hey, let me turn around, put your hands on your back, you're under arrest, you have a warrant. No. I'm going to tell you, please turn around, put your hands on your back, you're under arrest, you have a warrant. No. Rapple. Gotcha. I mean, okay. It's, you know, um, use it early, use it often. Double rapple. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a great video I found in TikTok of all places. I'm not a big TikToker. <laughs> um, but it's got an airport, and he's drunk. And he's belligerent, yelling and screaming. It's up in Medford, Oregon, of all places. Um, and the officers go deal with him, and he's just, man, he's in the F and F and F, of just in there. Yep. He's drunk. Mm-hmm. And they decide to go arrest him. So there's three of them. And two of them go get hands on, the fight's on. Yep. The first time he goes for the gun belt, one time, he grabs the gun belt. He doesn't grab the gun side, but he grabs the gun belt. He, he actually flips these guys over pretty good. He, he's, a, he's a scrapper. And he flips these officers over. Next thing you know, he goes for the gun. Oh, this, wow. This is a PI. He's, he reaches for the officer's gun. Luckily, they get him under control. Assistant comes up, tries to help. They back him off. They finally bail off the guy. And he stands up, and they, they, they use a, a, you know, a taser on him. He falls down and gets in custody. But that's a perfect example. You're under arrest. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Crap. Boom. Okay. That, there would have been no fight. So then you start thinking about officer injuries. Talk about care about your people. When we fight people, you've probably been hurt just like I have been at one point or another. Broken pinky, yep. torn rotator cuff. Yep. We'll pick your poison. You know that Now I've got an officer as a chief, put my chief hat on for a second. I've got an officer that's on the desk now you know, because of a torn ACL or rotator cuff or a broken pinky or whatever it is. Now the shift's short. Now they're not happy because they're out you know, shagging calls because right. someone's riding a desk. Yep. There's a worker's comp claim. All those things cascade. This technology is actually an opportunity to hopefully get away from some of that, reduce officer injuries, reduce suspect injuries, individual injuries, reduce claims, excessive force claims. You talked about, you know, that's a stressor on, on, on our officers out there. Is, am I going to get sued for using this? We've never been sued at all. You know, th- this device is used in 1,100 agencies across the U.S. now, 63 countries. We've hmm. never been sued. Oh, wow. That was going to be my next question is, is how many agencies are, are currently yeah. deploying that? We're over 1,100 right now in the U.S. Uh, in, in 63 countries as well. Um, it's gaining popularity daily. Uh, you know, people, people are starting to look at it and go like, I'd heard about this. I wasn't quite sure about it. They're like me. Right. Yeah. Not, not early adopters of technology. I'm not sure about this. Um, and more and more every week are coming on board and saying, okay, I, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. so I tell the cops to do presentations. We have that case that, you know what, it, it turns out really bad. We end up in an officer-involved shooting, we end up killing somebody because it happens, you know, it, in our business it happens. But it started out with that low-level resistance and it just escalated and escalated and escalated and ended up in a really bad outcome. You know, if we started out that we started our way at pain compliance up here, you know, and then we end up at, at using guns, okay. What if we say now, we can say we started down here at the lowest level possible. My verbal, my, first my presence, then my verbal commands. Yep. Then I have this tool that doesn't cause pain. I tried it. It didn't work for whatever reason. Okay. Sure. It didn't work. So then I moved up around my belt and I ended up with a really negative outcome. What mm-hmm. does a jury think about that? That's huge. 
you know, that at least you tried. Sure. You, know, yeah. you didn't go from here to here. You tried here, you tried here, you tried here. Now, is there a situation going to be like that? Absolutely not. Sometimes it goes from zero to 100. Oh, yeah. You know that. I know oh, that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. life. That's life. Uh, but it is, I think it's great technology. So I'm going to be that guy. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, the last several years I was on the job, I was a used force instructor, DT, firearms. Um, and I am, I have some degree of familiarization with this product. I, I've never Good. used it. I've never had it used on me. I've never been to a demo. I've just, I've, I've read some articles and um, seen some video. Um, and, and all the video I've seen have been like, you know, in a training environment, not, not a real world deployment. And I, I said with the utmost respect, I, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical. Um, I'm skeptical about, you know, the situations in which it can be used, like, um, in enclosed space, like somebody's living room, you know, in that domestic situation where you have to go into the house and now you're in the living room and now you're, the confrontation's occurring there. Um, or somebody who, you know, you, you, you wrap them and you wrap their feet and they smack their face into the parking lot pavement. And, you know, now they're winning a suit against you or, or you can't wrap them at all because they're running. Obviously I could be completely wrong. Um, and I'm happy to admit I'm wrong, but for, for somebody like me who, who is, is, you know, I'd love to see the better mousetrap, if you will, but I'm skeptical. How do you convince me? Well, you know, I would say, I'm going to jump in real quick, just on my perspective. I mean, I definitely see some of the challenge you're talking about tight spaces and, and I, I think there probably is times where you, you just can't deploy it. Or it's do like, you have officers like anything- that are deploying this when they should be going to something higher? Well, I mean, I think we face that with every tool on the belt. Um, True. But yeah, I think you just, I, I go back to Taser. Taser has the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can't deploy that in every situation. True. Um, and then I will say, you know, Taser has the same thing. When you tase somebody, if you don't go grab them, they are going to fall on their face mm-hmm. and they are going to go, they're going to face plant on the ground and there is going to be damage. I've seen that firsthand. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing. And and we don't have that. Plus the tape draw also actually punctures a, a hole in you that you're ripping out of them or at least two holes in you that they're pulling out of you. So, I mean, I definitely see what you're saying, but I think some of the things like an injury after the fact, I don't see it too much different from what the point of taser well, really. too is there you know I, I know we're peppering you with questions so, um, <laughs> no that's open the, conversation um, i love it i love it the, those situations where you know a lot of con- confrontations they're relatively close in, oh yeah yeah right you know you're talking maybe three meters or less probably less and um you know is there a minimum space that this technology needs to have a minimum distance that it has to, it exits the device and has to deploy and do what it does. Um, you know, so if I'm too close, I can't use it. Let's see. Taser has that same challenge. You know, yeah. Yes. You can't be too close. You can't be too far. But taser, you have the option of, you know, deploying the, the prongs or dry stuff. You can, you can, you can. Um, so but you got to be right up close and personal for it. And it's still not as effective. So, 
everything you said to be critical is you're spot on. You should be critical. You should, you should be, everybody should be until you see it and try it and do it. So what you say, how would I answer all that? Um, is the design for every situation? Absolutely not. Uh, confined spaces is one of them. You need about three foot of clearance around somebody because it's a seven and a half foot piece of, of Kevlar coming out. Okay. Uh, so is, is it going to work indoors? Not well. It could, you know, but not well. Um, are we looking for that perfect wrap every time? Are we looking for that restraint? Well, that's part of it. But what if the noise alone startles them so bad that mm -hmm. it gets them out of that funk, whatever funk they're in, they hear that pop go off and they feel something hit them, slap them in the legs or slap them in the arms, and they look down, it gives you that window of opportunity to close and grab them, and we don't have to fight them anymore? Mm -hmm. That's success. You know? So there's different ways to define success. Um, running. Uh, we say yes you know, on running, trip them up. So it goes back to the space. Let me back up again a second. Mm -hmm. distance you said mm -hmm. 10 to 25 feet so yes sir, you can be too close we, we don't want to be 10 is kind of our minimum mm -hmm. you know um because okay. of the cord needs time to come out and open up right uh so that 10 feet is you know your sweet spot's 12 to 15 i've seen perfect wraps all the time at 12 to 15 but 10 is our minimum mm -hmm. um but if someone starts running from you and you get it out and deploy it at their feet and let them trip and the cord they're going feet are going to take on the cord they can mm -hmm. still break their fall with their hands. Unlock electronic control device. Okay, it locks you up. You know, it locks up the muscles, and you're mm -hmm. right. Their face finds the closest concrete. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. they, they lose their teeth. Mm -hmm. At best, they lose their teeth. You know, worst case, like Atlanta had, is a, a, a man, a panhandler, fell and broke his neck. He's quadriplegic, and a federal jury jury awarded him a hundred million dollars, oh, wow. sixty from the city of Atlanta and forty from the officer individually. $40 dollar judgment on the officer. Is it? Holy crap. Was that from a bolo rapid? No, no, no. That's, no, 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 no. That was from Taser. That was Taser. Oh, okay. okay. That was Taser. Oh. Now, the city of Atlanta got themselves removed from that judgment. Okay. Uh, the officer's still on the hook for the $40 million. Oh, Now, we, we've never been sued. We've never had a serious injury, any mm. kind of serious injury. Is there a chance? So, these, we mentioned barbs. Mm. That, uh, I know our listeners can't see these, but you can. <laughs> Right. These are these are designed to go into clothes. Can mm -hmm. they puncture your skin? They can. Mm -hmm. Okay, but the worst thing you're going to do is pull it out, and mm -hmm. that's that. Put a bandaid on it, and they go to they go to jail. They go to the hospital for a mental health hold, or whatever reason they're they're going. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I would encourage you. So we have a YouTube channel, and we post. We get body cam videos from agencies across the country that are mm -hmm. doing them. You know, great reps, not so great reps, and we put them all out there. You know, and, and so. Look at our YouTube channel. You'll see a bunch of non-just staged ones, you no know, demo ones. Right. You'll see actually body cam footage of, of a live performance. And next time in, in your neck of the woods, come by, man. I'll you can wrap me, or I'll wrap you, and let you see what it's about. Oh, we, um, I would, I mean, I would, we could do it in front I, of your uh, garage. <laughs> I, I would definitely love to see you wrap Al. Um, I would pay good money for that. Um, would you know? Yes. How much? <laughs> You name name the price on that, one, a, or a good bottle of something. I was about to say it comes in bottles. That's what I was about to say. I, I'll bring a good bottle that I exchange for a wrap on Al. Al was so cool about this. This doesn't hurt. That's what's okay. so unique about it. It's not designed for pain. Right. And that's what communities can get behind. You know, if I was still chief, I we one we would have them outfitted. Every officer would have one because I'd rather them trying to wrap somebody and prevent a fight. You know, preventing higher levels of force. Mm -hmm. uh, than not. And, and 
how well controlled is like the aim on this? So, you know, because it looks like it's just a box. It's and uh, it's and, and you said a TV remote kind of point thing. Point of aim, point of impact. So this is again, our our listeners can't see this, but you looks can. like a remote. Yep. Yeah, it looks like a big garage yeah, door. Garage opener. door opener. Yeah. So you can see. Okay. Oh. So it's got a green laser that's like a horizontal line. There you go. And we and our, our aiming points are like mid thigh to ankles or wrist to elbows. So, okay. So and it's and, aim point impact. So what it you know under stress, you know, I I deploy this thing, I accidentally wrap this around somebody's neck or face. <laughs> and I, all jokes aside, but I no, wrapped no. it around his neck. I get that and, question all the time. I I mean I, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my due diligence if I didn't ask. No, we get the question all the time. That's a good question. Oh, this is your fifth wrap of a man's neck. (laughs) You've got some explaining to do. Before I answer the question, I'm going to tell you how we found this out is we had some SWAT SWAT officers. (laughs) Yes. Some SWAT officers that wanted to know the answer to that question. So let's try on each other. Yeah. I'm a former SWAT guy. I'm a a former tactical guy, so I can. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Um, But they tried it, you know. Uh, for one, is it will not constrict and choke them, choke somebody out. The physics okay. aren't, aren't there. Okay, right. it's going to feel about like it's going to feel about like that. The biggest danger are the ankle. We call the anchors that grab the clothes. It's yep. flying around someone's head and eyes. That's right. the biggest right. danger. So, again, think about when this is designed to be used. Though it's designed to be used very early in the encounter. Right. I ask the ash tail wrap. You know, mm-hmm. let's not think. Let things get out of control. Let's just preemptively strike this thing, wrap somebody, be done with it. So I'm not under a ton of stress. I'm not having to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, my partner's talking to somebody. We mm-hmm. know this is going to end up in a fight. And uh, say, hey, let's wrap this person. Okay. okay. On me, wrap, 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 pop. You know, and you run in real quick and grab them. And what, I'll point you to one of the best videos out there. If you want to see it really in action, there's one in Northern York, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So Northern York, Pennsylvania, it's on our YouTube channel. And this guy is suffering from, he's a former service member, suffered mm-hmm. from uh, post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Hits punched a hole in the wall of the house. Uh, 13-year-old daughter and wife have called police, and they're dealing with him, and he wants to fight. Hands down, he wants to fight. And they end up rapping. They're rapping high. And, I mean, he's squared up, ready to go. Uh, he just says, you better call for some help because we're about to get it on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, it's a great video. And they wrap him high, and he just does this. He can't break it. You know, he, he right. just does this. And he, his wife, poor wife, thinks they shot him. And um, they run up and put him in handcuffs. No use of force. No mm-hmm. fight. No punch thrown. I mean, it's just a classic one. Classic example of how this is used to de-escalate situations. And that's the buzzword, right? Mm-hmm. How it's used to de-escalate situations and not let them get out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that lead to higher levels of force. Because if that guy had fought those officers, somebody's getting hurt. It may have been small. Well, that's that's. Yeah, I'll try to mean to interrupt you. No, they're going to win. No, the officer's yeah. going to win. We know that. Sure, sure. Uh, I was kind of picturing cost? picturing that scenario as well as a, as, as a lot of the um, mental health calls that you, that we go on because a lot of them from the minute you get there, it's not a fight, but you can tell it's going to be physical to take them into custody. They're already saying they're like you say tensing up or they're you know you're not taking me and it's already contentious the minute you arrive it hadn't got into the fight yet but it has started and we'll spend our time with them as much as possible mm-hmm. sure you know, usually dinner time is on our side not always but generally time is on our side and but at some point you know what we get enough resources here let's do a double wrap on this person but mm-hmm. let's do a double wrap on legs no your hands your hands i'm wrapping he's wrapping or she's wrapping on you know on me wrap 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 pop pop and we move in and grab them 
give them the securement handcuffs, mm-hmm. everything slows down. Let's get this off of them. Let's get them to the hospital. So that that makes me think of a couple couple more questions. Um, first of all, the 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 agencies in the U.S. that are carrying them. Is this an item that they're issuing to every officer, or is it a a specialty item that they're deploying with select individuals or groups within the department? Everywhere is a little bit different. You have some agencies that are like full deployment, like every officer has it on them, you know, Mm -hmm. which we obviously push um, because when you need it, you need it. You know, I want to wait for somebody to come across town. I don't want this Mm -hmm. thing to get out of control. Uh, Some just crisis intervention teams, you know, uh, your mobile crisis response teams are carrying it. Um, it, some of them run a fleet-based system, you know, where the officer, you know, where you check it out when you come on duty. The biggest thing we battle is belt space, you know, budget yeah, belt yeah. space. That that's is a belt, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big one. I didn't have a whole lot of belt space. No, that's I. I asked Denny if they made child size uniforms. <laughs> you know what? Was... <laughs> you know, what? now we're I'll, two bottles for a double wrap on Al. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got you covered. I'll cover one of the bottles on you too. I got, I got one of the bottles. Who knew Oshkosh by gosh made police uniforms? You know what, man. <laughs> but you know, we, we do make like the out of vest carriers and things like that, where people can wear them out on the on the out of vest carrier. They right. come in yep. yellow. They come in black. They come in green. Um, and but the idea is to have them when you need it. You need it. We have. There's another video online. Um, Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. They have uh, a lady has called in. Because her, her son, who is uh, who is uh, has autism, uh, mm-hmm. has been violent with police in the past, is throwing mm-hmm. things in the car. In the car. Mm-hmm. So the body camera starts with a, one officer that has it, and he shows up there, and there's like eight officers surrounding this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's he's being compliant. He's up against the wall. He's being compliant, but he's standing there because he's choosing to stand there. Because mm-hmm. you know, as I would, he can walk away at any point. He could, right. he, they yeah. could have a walking containment on him, or he could just challenge one of them. And so it's a big fella too. He, when you say a kid, he's a grown man. Mm-hmm. And the one officer with the bowl wrap gets there finally. Y'all ready? Okay, wrap, 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 pop. They wrap him, run up, and put him in handcuffs, and okay. it's solved. That could have been solved, you know, four officers ago. <laughs> you right. know, instead of having eight officers there, you could have three officers there, and this could have been resolved a long time ago. So back to your fundamental question. It runs the gamut of how people deploy it. So it kind of takes me back to like a devil's advocate question. And I'll give you this kind of scenario. This was an incident in uh, New York fairly recently. You may be familiar with it. It was two officers. They go into, it's kind of like a narrow courtyard space of an apartment, uh, responding to somebody in some sort of mental distress. Dad had called on his son. Um, who had broken into the apartment. And when the officers get there, he's non-compliant. And I think it's it's a matter of 30 seconds, maybe, where the guy goes from just not being uh, compliant to, to verbal direction to he's got a 10-inch knife out and he's charging the officer. And... They shoot him. They don't kill him, but they they shoot him. They drop him. Um, And, of course, the criticism is you shot this guy. He's in mental distress. Right. And where I'm kind of going with this is, you know, do you have a situation where they got the bolo? Why didn't you use the bolo? Why did you shoot this guy? 
which I, you know, again, could happen with a taser and does, mm-hmm. right. but you know, with this piece of technology, how would you respond to that? Yeah, I guess I would have to say that you have to respond when you have time, right? That's a life okay. and death decision right there. You know, if you're out there with the guy for 20 or 30 minutes, you know, and he's got a, and he's not challenging with the knife or anything like that. And we don't really recommend using this with somebody onto the knife. Uh, yeah, no, could could you so. as part of a tactical plan? It could be, you know, a, a very strategic tactical plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that situation, those officers' lives are in immediate danger, as what you just said. I'm not familiar with that case at all. Mm-hmm. But as you said, uh, those lives are in immediate danger. Whether you had a bull wrap or whether you had a, some other fancy tool that needed a deadly force response. Mm-hmm. Tragically. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. tragically that happens. Um, we we have a uh, an interview with a lady on, on our YouTube channel. It's a, it's a tra- it's a good case because she survived, but it's just a horrible example. Is you know uh, they get now one call in California, uh, a female, I think, teenager behind a store with a knife, just like what you mentioned. Officer gets her, hey, how you doing? You look like you know so 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 so, and she pulls up the knife and she wants suicide by cop. Is what she's looking for. Mm-hmm. He's tried. He backs up, tries to create space, and she keeps coming at him. He ends up shooting her three times, and uh, she survives. Mm-hmm. And now we, we've interviewed her and talked to her and showed her the technology. And she's like, you know, if if I if I'd heard a pop and something, you know, hit mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. I would have fell to the ground. Thought I'd shot. You know, mm-hmm. that that, yeah. that would have solved the problem. And you know, and I do some de-escalation training, and one of the things that I've been taught by people that are much smarter than I am is like. When they face with these people that are suicide by a cop, with, with knives especially, is when they see that gun come out. When we go to protect ourselves, we see you know we pull, pull our handgun out. Um, they see that's the answer to my problem right there. I now see you have just given me the answer to my problem, and I'm going at you. And now I'm not saying you don't pull your gun out when someone with a knife, sure. but it's just we got to rethink this whole concept. But if we know that's the kind of situation, as long as you got time and distance and cover and all those kind of things, is it best to be pointing a gun? At somebody with a knife that's wanting suicide by cop. But just to be clear, your company is not advocating that. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. Again, so two different things. Some just tactically and de-escalation in general about suicide by cop and some of the knives. Okay, I'm just giving an example of of someone Mm. when they see a gun, there's the answer to their their problem, and they're going to charge at you with a knife. We see it play out a lot across the country. As far as bullet wrap and wrap technologies. Do you use this on somebody onto the knife? Maybe it's part of a large, larger tactical plan as a potential option with many other layers in place. But as a first response, absolutely not. I would not. We don't recommend that. Or like with other things, you you know, you have your lethal deployed and your less lethal deployed. Yeah. yeah. Simultaneously. I was just thinking about you that. Know. You have that lethal cover, but you have your less than lethal um, to be able to engage. And if you need you the know, lethality, you have it. I, you know, yeah. I'm thinking just out loud here, a situation like that. If you had the time, you had all these tools, you had a 40 millimeter there, and you got somebody with an AR or a couple of handguns, and you got a bowl wrap, say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to try to wrap this person first and see if we can, you know, just wrap their arms together and, and, and get the knife, then get ready to pop them with a 40, mm-hmm. you know, and then if all that fails and they come charging at us, then we'll have to go up to legal force. But here's, here's our tactical plan. Again, yeah. this is a piece of a larger, much larger tactical plan. Sure. In a situation like that. Th- mm-hmm. Again, this is designed for that low level resistance mm-hmm. to keep us from getting in a fight with people, yeah. to keep us mm-hmm. from getting hurt, 
from hurting them, from using our traditional pain compliance tools that we've always, always, always had. This is something that is new. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned, you have, you have your doubts. I get it. I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's going to be, it's the way of the future is, especially in communities. You know, your son, daughter, mom, dad, pick your, pick your family member that if they were in crisis, what would you want an officer or a deputy using on? Something yeah. that creates pain or something that doesn't. And once, you know, you think to yourself, I'd love for them to try this first. You know, I really don't want my dad uh, having 50,000 volts of electricity going through him. He doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. He has dementia and he's walking in the middle of the roadway and he won't listen and he's be restrained. Can I go up and tackle him? Sure. You know, you, you can do that. Uh, you can try to restrain their legs mm-hmm. or restrain their arms. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like it for you know, a, a fleeing suspect. I do. I mean, because, you know, if you can, in that situation, you just got to kind of keep them at the, within distance to be able to deploy it. Hopefully I'm having to run a lot less, not nearly as far. And then it always ends in a tackle. And then everybody's getting all scuffed up, tore up and banged up in a tackle. I mean, your, your uniform's coming away all tore up. Um, Thank you. You're rolling I, I, around on the ground. So that way you get them wrapped you're hopefully again you're not having to run quite as far but when you get there it's just a matter of putting the cuffs on it's not now a fight on the ground after I tackling say, <clears throat> i say that a lot you know let them fall on their own because when in my foot pursuit days i was never fast enough to catch anybody honestly you know i was not <laughs> that guy uh but but if i had if i tackled them all my yeah. body weight's going on them or yep. their body weight's mm-hmm. going on me and yep. you know we're scuffling we're blah 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 everything's happening just let them fall on their own Mm-hmm. Um, there's another video, body cam video out there. If you, if you, again, if you see our YouTube channel, it's, I think it's titled Bull Rap Baby. Like, what do you mean, <laughs> baby? And, um, it's in Florida, Hillsborough, Florida. They have like 100% of every deputy carries them, Hillsborough County, Florida. Hmm. And they were looking for a guy on, it was a warrant. He's out in the woods at night and she sees him running. So, you know, she's already got it out and she's running after him. She rap, rap, boom. She deploys it, just, just points out and deploys it. He goes down. And they run up and handcuff him, no issues, no fight, hmm. no nothing. And as she gets the handcuffs on, she goes, "All right, baby." <laughs> <laughs> Again, huh. they're they're a big a big fan, and they they use the bunch. It's a it's culturalized. It's a culture of that organization that we sure. try this first. Okay, you know, yeah, we try something that doesn't create pain first before mm-hmm. we move up. When we can't, not every rough situation allows for it. You know, I am still picturing the SWAT team standing around, going, "Hey, what happens if the thing goes around your neck?" And the poor, and the poor, uh, poor guy that was the most junior member of the team, like, "Hey, stand over there, Jimmy." <laughs> hey, you're still alive. It's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, again, it just it doesn't constrict. The, the physics just doesn't allow it to constrict. The, so thing, the, the danger just, of these things hitting you. As as somebody who who again was spent a good number of years as a trainer. Does your company, do they come out and provide training on the product? And then the other thing being, um, do you provide like a model policy for the agency that may choose to adopt this? And a train the trainer, I would assume. So multiple course service. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Train the trainer went without saying. We have an instructor class. So we have a master instructor class. Okay. We usually do once a year. That's a master. We're actually doing it next month in Tempe, where our manufacturing plan is. that allows people to certify other instructors. Gotcha. Generally, generally, agency is Seguin, Texas, bought full wraps, which they have now. 
we went out there and trained, I think, a half dozen, four or five of their people as instructors. You know, already people all like yourself, DT instructors, whatever, uh, as instructors. That's an eight-hour class. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not hard. You get wrapped. You run scenarios, teach how to run them safely, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can then certify their end users. Uh, so similar to Taser Axon or Monadnock okay. or somebody yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Instructor, okay. the end user, and then you research once a year, that kind of stuff. You, know, you have to deploy some device, deploy some cassettes. One thing I didn't mention, we don't say anything like about weapons. So uh, we don't say it doesn't have a trigger. It doesn't have a safety. It has an on-off switch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not a cartridge. It's a cassette. And I don't know if I showed y'all what it looked um, Again, our, our, our listeners can't see this, but this, yeah. is, a, this is a clear version. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you can see the Kevlar cord wrapped in there. Yeah. Huh. Um, but that's what that's what goes that's what goes in the device. And there you go. Um, huh. Can you can you send me one to demo on my teenagers? <laughs> we'll, we'll come use your demo. I'll come out and do a demo. I, 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 we are spending a lot of time in. And you're in Virginia, correct? We are yeah, Virginia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we are spending a lot of time in Virginia right now. Uh, so there's agencies up there. Uh, using it and we get a lot of interest from the corrections side of the house believe it or not and i can I, see a real use yeah, on the corrections i can definitely see them benefiting a lot from it in that environment and we, we think i always thought cell extraction that it's not gonna work in a cell extraction this, this no. is not the environment but day yards you know yeah. transport yeah uh, rec- all those different places uh, mm-hmm. and we're seeing a lot of interest uh from that sector right now mm-hmm. um so yeah, I'll, you know, I'm up in your neck of the woods. I'd love to come and wrap you. I'll bring a, a bottle of your your favorite with you, with me, and uh, <laughs> I like but, it. <clears throat> yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, we can. We can wrap Denny. I, I mean, uh, oh yeah. no, you're getting wrapped. Yeah, okay. You no, know, we can. I can you're wrap you together. I, you know, <laughs> oh if y'all gosh, like, if you are going at it, I'll wrap you together. Maybe we'll put it on YouTube. We can get some donations if we if we get wrapped together. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, but well, we can we can wrap up the rap conversation if you want to. But in all, <laughs> in all seriousness, I, I, honest back to my why is like I truly believe it'll save lives and it'll save careers. I, I, there's mm-hmm. it, it'll prevent things from spiraling out of control. And once you know cops, once their heart rates get up and things start going up that's when the extra kick comes in the extra punch comes in and what they're the scrutiny we're under now police officer now yep. we don't need that so if i can wrap somebody and they're stunned like i was and i got wrapped and i looked down at my legs like what just happened to me mm-hmm. and next thing i know people grab my arms put me in handcuffs that's a win for everybody that's huge it's, mm-hmm. it's a win we're a publicly traded company you know, it's not a fly-by-night uh, uh company by stretch of imagination publicly traded uh, rap wrap NASDAQ, and um, you know agencies are coming on every week. And, and the company is Rap Solutions, Rap Technologies, Rap Technologies. Sorry, Rap Technology. You have a website as well that people can go and watch some of the videos and how how the um, how absolutely the works. Our, our YouTube channel is the, the quickest way to see this. And gotcha. I, I okay. wouldn't do it just if I don't. We have two other actually products I need to mention. We have body camera business uh, that we just acquired last year, Intrinsic. Okay, uh, it's a digital evidence management platform and body camera. And also a virtual reality training platform. Oh wow! So yeah, you know that's that's the way of training. Is I don't know if you experienced where you retired on the VR side, but I had uh, an occasion. I'm um, goodness, um, trying to remember the name of the company. There's several. There's several different companies it, out there. It was a company that was was 
in the process, and I, I won't give too many details, but partnering with a, with a university and a state uh, law enforcement commission. And I was asked to come and view the VR uh, demo. And that particular technology, again, I walked in extremely skeptical um, and was blown away. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be the future. I, I really do. Uh, it's amazing because if, you, if you've ever been to the alert training program, uh, we talk about five, 40 degrees of coverage. So mm -hmm. you're always looking, you know, 360 around you and up and over. Mm -hmm. VR is the same way. Yeah, this this particular one, and I, I'd like to see y'all's. Um, it 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 was really, I mean, because my friend of mine was a professor at the university, and he's like, "Well, do you have any questions?" I'm like, "No, the dude just answered everything before I could even ask it." So, and not just use of force skills on that is is able to communicate with people. You know, mm -hmm. like, if you never pull a gun out, you never pull a bubble wrap out, you never pull a a trunk control device out. Is you sit and talk to somebody, you know, mm -hmm. um, or it may turn into a shoot. You, you don't know what, but yeah. virtual. I think virtual is the way of the future. But anyway, that that's our that's the three things that we do cool. uh, is the bowler wrap, uh, and we're the only one in the world that does that. Then you have the intrinsic, which is a body camera, digital evidence management solution, and then the wrap reality. Nice. Which sounds like you are doing a lot of things to try to help the law enforcement career have you know plenty of tools and and ways to be successful. Yes, sir. And again, I had, I had every intention of coming and going red fishing every day uh, <laughs> on, on the coast here. Uh, but I found something I believe in. And That's I, awesome. Again, if I can help uh, our brothers and sisters that are still out, you know, facing it, uh, you know, putting up a good cool. fight, doing what they do, and giving them a tool that may help keep them out of trouble. Yep. Uh, I'm all about that. Well, that's great. Well, Terry, if you get into the central Virginia area, definitely look us up. Please, please, or shoot an email. Let us know you're going to be here. Yep. I'll, I'll make sure I've got your contact information now, and uh, I will let you know, and you, you will, you'll be invited a VIP. That would be fantastic. Make, I could probably make that happen a lot sooner rather than later because I've got some good hooks in Virginia. Man, that would be, that would be great. Uh, but you, we could put that on, you know, we can kind of launch that on our YouTube as we're getting, trying to get that rolling. Uh, that would be awesome. So, but Terry, thanks so much for said, coming I'm, on. He sounds scared. He, he said, does, he said, and I like he it. Apprehensive. I like it. I, I like it. I get a bottle out of it, right? You don't get a bottle. Oh, out of it. Well, oh, I don't know. Okay. Terry said he was going to bring a bottle, so oh, we'll, okay. we'll we'll enjoy it afterwards. Fair enough. Yeah, after afterwards we'll enjoy it. That's right. after wrap. After wrap. No pre wrap. All post. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing to be apprehensive about. It's it, it's all good. If I can sit there in my flower uniform pants and get wrapped and not even have a scratch on me, you'll be good to go. I think it's awesome. Okay. We're looking forward to it. Well, great. Terry, thank you so much for coming on Badge of the Bone. Hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you, gentlemen, and thank you for what you do and bringing all the, the awareness, especially the mental health piece, awareness and leadership uh, that we desperately need in this business uh, to the forefront. So thanks for having me and uh, you know where I'm at. Yeah, we we appreciate your perspectives um, on, on you know what's going on with law enforcement today, and we definitely appreciate you know, the information. That was definitely informative, and I hope folks listening will will look into the, that that wrap and check it out. All right, gentlemen, thank y'all very much. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. So lately, we've had a lot of folks ask us, "Hey guys, how can we help support the podcast?" Well, there's a lot of ways you can do that, and first is. Wherever you are listening to Badge of the Bone, whatever platform you're using, make sure to follow us. That's a huge help. Also, go over to our Facebook page and make sure to like and follow us there. 
Another way you can support the podcast is through a monetary donation. If you notice in the descriptions to each episode, there's a link that says support this podcast. Click that link and you can make a monetary donation as small or as big as you like. You can also make it reoccurring. Any amount is helpful and we are appreciative. And the last way you can support the podcast is through our Badge of the Bone podcast store. The link for that is located on our Facebook page and on our website, badgetothebone.com. And we've actually got some pretty cool stuff on the store. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, stickers, we've got tumblers. The tumblers are great. I, I take my tumbler everywhere. It's awesome. You know, take a look at, and, and purchase something. Anything you get helps support this podcast. It helps us keep this thing going. So thanks so much. But let's get back to the show. Well, Al, I guess that is a wrap. I see what you did there. <laughs> Terrible dad joke. <laughs> that was. That was really bad. <laughs> right now, anybody listening is rolling their eyes. And mission accomplished. That <laughs> <laughs> was that was interesting. I, I was um, I, I I was really skeptical, and 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 there's a part of me that's you know it's still skeptical. It's new. Well, anything that's new, you know, we're going to be, and I think until you see it. No, and, the, and two things that cops hate are change, change and, and the way things are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. So true. But a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, right. I agree. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that, that he came on. Yeah, I, I, I thought he had some really great perspectives on, on leadership and, and being a leader. You know, things that we talk about that we think are important. Um, I thought it was really good. Yeah. So I think that's a, another good episode in the can. Yeah, and I definitely, you know, we'll definitely be checking out the Bolo, the Bola rap. And you, anybody listening, you know, let your agencies check it out. You know, maybe. Yeah, good, you, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. Let just, us know. You know, if you have any experience with it, yeah, definitely let us know. Um, definitely interested. We'll be checking that out. So hopefully – We'll get to catch up with Terry here in Virginia, and I'll be anxious to watch you get wrapped. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think it'll be awesome. But that's going to wrap us up, Al. I think it does. Where can they find us? They can find us at badgetothebone.com. They can also find us on Facebook at Badge to the Bone. And please like and follow us on Spotify. Absolutely. Please follow us and email us at wearebadgetothebone at gmail.com. But until then, be safe and be well.